This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Mount Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hello and welcome to Saver, production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have an episode for you about juice boxes and or cartons and or beverage of that thing. Yes. <laughs> Mostly like the cartons, I would say. Sure. Yeah. Um, was there any particular reason this one was on your mind? Oh, was there? <laughs> uh, I, I think I was just trying to trying to find another kind of more technological episode that we could do because, uh, and I was like, what, "What juice boxes? What's going on with those?" Um, <laughs> uh-huh. And. Uh, Perhaps, perhaps I'd like been been like like doing my 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 grocery sweep and uh, mm. and was like all of these wine boxes are happening. What's up? Yeah, I do love a good wine box. <laughs> <laughs> I, we'll talk about that very briefly in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not. I was thinking about this because I juice boxes generally fall under the very wide cheating category I have of. My five things I don't like, and one of them is, like, artificial fruit flavoring. Oh, okay. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Some of it can be fine, but most of it I don't like. But I still get nostalgic for them every now and then when it's, like, really hot in the summer. Oh, um, yeah. And even as a kid, I didn't really like, like, Capri Sun, but there was something about, like, Nickelodeon telling me, Capri Sun, you've got to have it when it's hot. <laughs> like... Okay. <laughs> uh, we're, we're, we are not talking a lot about the Capri Sun thing today. I feel like that's a different episode. There are a lot of a lot of little side quests on this one that I think that we're going to have mm-hmm. to come back to at a later time and date. But uh, but yeah, that was I do. I do remember like 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 a Hawaiian punch flavor is a favorite of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that good fruit punch kind of situation where you're like, what fruit is that? Nobody knows. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh and for sure, in terms of an actual box of juice, or I don't know, juice in heavy in heavy quotes, um, 
I was high key obsessed with the high C ecto coolers. Uh, uh-huh. When I was growing up because I was so into Ghostbusters. Yep. And I was so into Slimer. Mm-hmm. And if you told me that this was Slimer's drink of choice, I was there. <laughs> <laughs> I love that's how they got you. I, that's what I suspected when you said the name. and <laughs> You confirmed it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> mm-hmm. We got a lot of fun stuff like that going on for sure. Um, I did. Like, I remember having, if we went on a field trip, it'd be part of kind of the juice boxes would be part of kind of the bags they would give you for oh, sure. lunch. And I, I did like that, but it was more about the, we're on a field trip. <laughs> right, right. No, and mm-hmm. that kind of excitement does, does right, like build a nostalgia for a product, even if the product itself wasn't your very favorite thing. Right, yeah. Well, I will say uh, for this one, the expiration date episode. <laughs> yep. uh, yeah. Yeah. You might want to check out. Maybe types of milk, uh, yeah. which might sound strange off off the top, but I believe me, it's going to come up. <laughs> it is. Oh, indeed it is. But I guess that brings us to our question. Uh, yeah, sure. Juice boxes. What are they? Well, a juice box, otherwise known as a juice carton, or or perhaps a, a more widely a drink carton, is a type of multi-layered packaging meant to contain juice or some other beverage safely at room temperature for up to about a year without a risk of the beverage spoiling. Um, and there are different ways of doing this, but it generally involves uh, sterilizing both the beverage and the packaging. And the layers of these cartons are are typically thin plastics that are sandwiching inner layers of paper and aluminum foil, like like a like a Big Mac. Okay, Um, Mm -hmm. so so the inside the paper is providing structure, the foil is providing protection from light and oxygen, and then the plastics are a moisture barrier on the inside and the outside and everything in between. Um, they're, they're protecting the other layers and providing uh, a material for a seal because you can melt plastic together in precisely the way that you cannot with paper or, well, aluminum a little bit. But anyway, <laughs> these cartons are often single serving and come with uh, like a small straw or some kind of sippy lid of some kind, um, like, like easily opened and usually not resealable. Sometimes you might get a cap on there. Uh, the entire package is disposable. And the idea is, yeah, that you have this portable beverage that doesn't need refrigeration and doesn't need a whole lot of preservatives to get it to that point. It's sort of like it's sort of like the 40 chess of beverages. Like it's not quite what you're used to. And it's pretty confounding, but in like a fun way. Mm hmm. I like it. Yeah. Is geometry involved? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> I and I do love that, like, we spent basically all of human history figuring out refrigeration and then turned right around and immediately said, wait, hold on. Sometimes we still need stuff that's not refrigerated. Ack. <laughs> and spent all this time and money developing this. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and right, although certainly in the United States, we we think of probably juice first being boxed up like this. You can put a range of beverages and other liquids in, in, in these sorts of packages from milk to soup to wine. And 
Within this family of drink carton packaging, there are a bunch of different processes and technologies that can be used, depending on what product you're packaging and its intended use. Um, uh, traditionally, there have been like quality trade-offs for the convenience of shelf stability, because pasteurizing a drink generally involves heating it, however briefly, which can break down micronutrients and flavor molecules. Um, some new technologies involve using pressure instead of temperature. So I don't know, be on the lookout for those. <laughs> to create these packages, the layers are pressed together and laminated in these large sheets that are then cut into individual pieces, folded into form like origami, uh, sterilized and filled. Uh, they are typically box shaped because that is the easiest to transport in large quantities. No other reason. That's it. Mm -hmm. uh, and <laughs> there's all kinds of like side technology that works its way into the production process. I was I, I randomly came across this company that was promoting its AI driven straw detection capacity like it will set up on your production line and use imaging to check for the presence and possible damage to the straw on the side of your juice box and i'm like heck yeah all right whoa <laughs> right <laughs> yeah so cool mm. um <laughs> Uh, and all of this is, it, it's useful to consumers because, right, you don't have to worry about the product going bad if you don't use it right away. And you don't have to worry about keeping it refrigerated. It's useful to producers because you can stagger production and distribution. This helps prevent shortages. Uh, the downsides are that these products can be more expensive than fresh alternatives, like like in the case of milk, due to those processing costs. Uh, also, the aforementioned uh, uh, quality control and not quality control, like quality issues in terms of flavor and uh, and nutrition. Also, while we're talking upsides and downsides, uh, there's been a lot of back and forth about the environmental friendliness of this sort of packaging. On, on the upside, like, okay, the companies that make them have been industrial leaders in setting and reaching goals for net carbon zero production. Plus, the packages are lightweight and don't need refrigeration during transport, so that reduces your, your transportation energy costs. They can also reduce waste. Um, like, for example, in a school cafeteria, if kids aren't taking fresh milk, it'll go bad within like a week. But boxed milk will stay good pretty much until someone chooses to pick it up. Mm -hmm. uh, also, the packages do involve like less overall material than many other types of packaging, depending on how thin you can get your your plastic or i mean you know glass is clearly like a lot more material than other than other stuff but these cartons are more difficult to recycle and require specific facilities those layers have to be separated the process is called hydropulping 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 <laughs> <laughs> sounds both menacing and exciting right mhm mm <laughs> <laughs> Well, <laughs> what about the nutrition? Don't don't eat the packaging. This is not Willy Wonka. Uh, <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, I guess I'll, I'll note here that uh, there is ongoing drama, um, not even debate, but like drama about the nutritional value of juice. 
especially for kids. And this is not that episode. Um, like, yes, fruit juices, even 100% fruit juices, are a lot of sugar without any fiber. But treats are nice. And furthermore, like, if a juice box is the only way that you can get your kid to consume a calorie and or a vitamin, go for it. Like, you do you. <laughs> like, I'm... I'm exhausted and I don't have children. I cannot imagine y'all's <laughs> level of exhaustion. So like, so d do it if that's what what's up. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, well, we do have some numbers for you. We do. Okay. So um, Tetra Pak, which is uh, the original and leading supplier of this type of packaging, they're huge. Um, they have some 23,000 employees working around the world. And in 2016 alone, they sold 188 billion packages in 175 countries. Ooh. Ooh. I will say this does include non-drink carton packages because they also package everything from like ice cream to vegetables to pet food. Um, but it is a big industry and, uh, and it's a pretty steep buy-in for smaller companies to get set up. Um, one of the like higher levels of... of hygiene uh, being in a septic processing plant will cost over $100 million just to get started. And that's not accounting for any of the costs of, of keeping that up and all of the other safety regulatory kind of issues that you're looking at. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I know that I talked about recycling a second ago, but the ability to recycle these drink cartons is growing. Um, as of 2010, there were only about 40 programs worldwide that could handle them. Um, but as of 2023, there are over 200. That's, that's better. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> uh, Tetra Pak says that they invested close to $33 million in recycling projects around the world just in 2022, and that they're planning on upping that amount as of this year. I've got a world record for you. Okay. The fastest time to set up and then topple 10 juice cartons was achieved in the Netherlands in 2019 at just 5.41 seconds. Dang. I... <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, I'm not exactly sure what that looks like, but it seems impressive. It does. I think there'd have to be a lot of practice involved, a lot of planning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of eye-hand coordination. Yeah, and then you get to tell people... Yeah. And then explain it to them. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, another one. As far as I'm aware, the largest number of drink boxes toppled like dominoes was achieved in Singapore in 2021 when a secondary school toppled 800 Marigold brand juice boxes. <laughs> And then I'm guessing they drank them. <laughs> I, I they they seemed unharmed. So yeah, it was yeah. in a cute little like heart shape. It was nice. It was Aww, fun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of awe, uh, another human interest number for you. Um, there's an organization in Houston called Kids Meals that works to provide simple packed lunches to preschoolers during the summer when school is out and you know kids don't have access to a school lunch program and they host a summer juice box challenge every year to collect some of the 730,000 juice boxes that they give out every summer 
like teams sign up. There is hypothetically friendly trash talking. Uh, folks deliver their donations in creative ways, like on horseback or with choreographed dances. Um, it's a whole thing. <laughs> oh, that is cute. <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Well, if anybody's participated in that, please let us know. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, but we do have quite the history for you. Oh, we do. And we are going to get into that as soon as we get back from a quick break for a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at San Diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So, as you've kind of mentioned throughout already, Lauren... The history of the juice box, of our modern-day juice box, largely comes from the increasing concern people had around cleanliness and sanitary food products. Mm -hmm. Yes. And the juice box was an innovation around just that, but a lot of it is rooted in the long battle to make drinking milk safer. <laughs> oh, people were so <laughs> concerned about this, and rightfully so. Um because if you remember from our other episodes like expiration dates, prior to widespread refrigeration, milk was a very tricky product to keep safe. And mm -hmm. bad milk could cause some pretty serious consequences when it was consumed. Especially in, in babies. So, yes. yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And for a long time, when we were kind of entering the industrial era, mm -hmm. consumers were typically in charge of cleaning and refilling their metal milk containers. Okay. I think a lot of us have seen that mm -hmm. in yeah. some of our media. Um, the U.S. dairy industry offered glass milk jars that they would clean themselves, uh, which led to some local monopolies over milk markets thanks to the collection system, ah. because basically they were the only ones who were going to clean these jars. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you're if stuck with them. <laughs> and if they're the only ones delivering uh, exactly. and, and picking up the bottles, then yeah. Exactly. Um, so, paper packaged milk, which did not rely on this collection system, could really change the whole game because then you wouldn't be relying on the distributors. Ah. And distributors could sell 
these paper products uh, much farther out than dairies that relied on collecting these glass bottles. Yeah. And I, I was reading I was reading up on this. And, and as I did, I have to tell you guys, um, it, it introduced me to just an absolute nightmare phrase. Um, loose milk. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> like as opposed to packaged milk, you have loose milk. Mm hmm. It feels like it. there's a number of phrases they could have gone with instead of that. Uh, <laughs> but they went with loose milk. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, that's, that's, on, that's on my new list. Uh, my newly collected list of yes. uh, just completely weird, gross phrases. Oh, I can't wait to see the rest of this list. <laughs> Nightmare fuel, exactly what I need. Huh. Okay, <laughs> anyway, anyway. Yes. Um, okay, so we have this concern about being cleanly in what we choose to consume. We have these glass slash metal containers for getting milk. And then we have people who are trying to find a different way, these uh -huh. paper packaged ways to offer milk. All right, so... Let us start with G.W. Maxwell, an American inventor who came up with the paper milk container. It was generally shaped like a drinking glass, and it had this paper lid that was clamped down to close it. I okay. think most of us have probably seen something like that, too. Uh -huh. John Van Warmer patented something similar called the Pure Pack in 1915. It was a paper milk bottle that was called the Paper Bottle. Okay. Um. But also, as you were kind of mentioning, Lauren, it gives us a bit of a headache now. But at the time, the fact that you used this product and then tossed it away instead of reusing it was seen as a plus um, yeah. in terms of cleanliness. Mm -hmm. And that's why they called it Pureback. Um, the legend goes that Van Warmer was inspired to come up with this idea after dropping a bottle of milk. <laughs> and I imagine huh. the most infomercial, like... There's gotta be a better way. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, and I and I will say that this like this issue of um, tossing something instead of reusing it was a really major marketing factor through the mid century. Like I, um, in a previous previous uh, job lifetime, um, I was going through some of the archives of Dixie Cup uh, mm -hmm. commercials, and like it was a big selling point like like you can just throw it away and right, right these days we're like oh, ooh, oh no probably not but right right at the time it was seen as very modern yeah it was very modern and also you know if you don't if you're not thinking about the environmental aspect it's nice that you don't have to wash it yeah yeah, yeah. still a selling point <laughs> still a selling point um another piece of this whole story has to do with self-serve grocery stores and, okay, so to our modern ears, at least to my modern ears, <laughs> this sounds a bit odd, but at one time, grocery stores required employees to package up the shopper's groceries. Mm -hmm. Like, you'd give them a list and they would go gather everything. Um, and it was a grocery store chain that some of you might have heard of, Piggly Wiggly, <laughs> that often gets the credit mm -hmm. for introducing self-service shopping to the U.S., um, and thanks in part to this idea, Piggly Wiggly was pretty profitable right away. Um, here's a note about it from a trade publication at the time. The self-service system cut $300 per month from expenses and showed a gain of $80,000 in sales. Whoa. Yeah. Pretty big deal. Huh. 
That's yes. okay. That's a separate <laughs> episode, but cool. Uh, please I know. continue. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, as successful as it was, though, uh, this system was still pretty limited to the U.S. in the 1920s. Um, that changed with this Swedish businessman named Ruben Rousing. Um, he had never seen a self-serve grocery store before, but when he was studying at Columbia University, he saw one and he was like, this is amazing. And also packaging is about to become a way bigger deal. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, you don't have all that loose milk floating around, so <laughs> you're going to need you're going to need some prepackaged goods. Yeah. You, uh-huh. you can't just throw loose milk randomly into a conversation, Lauren. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I wasn't anticipating it. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. Well, Rousing returned to Sweden after his schooling in the US. And he spent 10 years working for a printing company before he got enough leverage to launch his own packaging business. So this had really been in the back of his mind. Um, At first, they mostly packaged things like sugar, other dry goods. Mm -hmm. But by about World War II, they were focusing on packages for liquids, and they mainly used paperboard to do that. This eventually led Rousing to the Tetra Pak. Um, According to the company... He got the idea after watching his wife make sausages. I love how they don't expand upon it anymore. I have yeah. an imagination and I can kind of figure it right. out, but they don't really go into any more depth. <laughs> Just like, well, I guess it's like <laughs> casing. Yeah. And, <laughs> There's uh, liquid in sausages. Like filling a casing. Yeah, that's that's what I assume, but they really didn't explain. And <laughs> cool. So <laughs> like, okay, we'll go with it. Uh, another inventor at the company, though, was the one that really made this packaging happen. His name was uh, Eric Wallenberg. After some experimentation, the package was sealed with only three twists. And now this packaging and doing it that way saved some money on the manufacturing side, but it did result in a unique shaped product. Um, as the name suggests, it was a tetrahedron or a four-sided triangle. Uh, pyramid. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you're not quite sure what we're talking about, if you look it up, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I've seen that. Um, it's pyramid-shaped, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Despite that, uh, it did have a bunch of positives, um, mainly that when properly used, it kept milk from spoiling, and it didn't even necessarily have to be refrigerated. Um, soon after the Tetra Pak was introduced, Rousing created a subsidiary of his company named after that product, they did not stop at the Tetra Pact, though. Um, they introduced aseptic packaging in 1961. Um, basically, through a bunch of innovations around manufacturing, packaging, and chemical treatment, they created shelf-stable packaging that increased shelf life without the need for refrigeration. And th- this was really a very big deal. Um, around the turn of the 21st century, the Institute of Food Technologists would call this And I quote, the most significant food science innovation of the last 50 years. Wow. And that was when a lot of stuff was going on. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Then came the Tetra Brick, which was a more rectangular shape to make Mm -hmm. it easier for shipping and storing and shopping. However, Americans were still pretty wary of getting milk in this product because they were so accustomed to milk products that needed refrigeration. Mm -hmm. Um. The dairies were, too, and the cost of changing infrastructures and mindsets was very daunting. However, uh, not every American owned a refrigerator. 
So Tetra Pak producers saw some paths to success in the country. And this more or less brings us to the juice part of juice box. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Because the thinking was that if Americans wouldn't buy milk in this packaging, maybe they would buy juice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> just to throw this in here, mm-hmm. there were a couple of products being offered around this time already. Uh, the German market offered a juice-based concentrate package in a pouch from Wild Flavors in 1969. And it was called Capri Son, or um, Son, S-O-N-N-E. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and Capri after the Italian island of the same name. It was pretty successful in Europe, but it took over 10 years before the product made its way to the U.S., where it was sold under the name Capri Sun, S-U-N. <laughs> yeah. A whole, whole separate episode. I look forward to diving into that someday. Me too. And all the 90s commercials. Oh, my goodness. We could goodness. watch as part of it. <laughs> Did I have a friend who was in one of those commercials? Anyways, please, let's continue. Okay. (laughs) All right. Um, One of the first companies to really capitalize on the juice box in the U.S. was a company named Apple and Eve. Clever, I guess. Uh 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 Um, They started offering a 200 milliliter Tetra Brick aseptic of juice in 1982. Um, It was rectangular and complete with a straw. Ads for it lauded the fact that it didn't need refrigeration, it could last six months, was good for people on the go, uh, didn't have a tinny or plastic taste Mm -hmm. that a lot of people had associated with some of these, um, and that it was economical. Um, A year later, in 1983, Coca-Cola subsidiary Minute Maid launched their own version. High C entered the ring soon after. They had ads running nationwide on TV. America's version of Tetra Pak, Brick Pack, saw a massive increase in sales, um, jumping by $100 million in 1983. Ooh, wow, yeah. Yeah. They uh, had to scramble to meet demand. It was such a sudden jump. Some estimates suggest that in the 80s, juice boxes accounted for one-fifth of the juice market in the United States. This this rise is so wild to me because like I like I'm a child of the 80s and so I grew up with these. I right. had no idea they did not exist before I did. Like that's like right. I I just assumed that this was a staple for all school kids forever. <laughs> yes. I did too. I was shocked. Yeah. <laughs> it's relatively so recent. recent. Yeah. 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 Um so they they found this huge success. Here in the U.S., finally, Tetra Pak had done it. Um, <laughs> but there was a problem. By the late 80s and early 90s, environmentalists were sounding the alarm about the waste created by juice boxes. Tetra Pak spokespeople responded to these concerns by saying it was about safety and there were no frivolous layers. Basically, they were saying that like, there's nothing we could cut out. It's already uh-huh. streamlined. <laughs> believe us. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. And to be fair to them... There are arguments to be had about their packaging saving materials, especially when it comes to providing a shelf-stable product. Um, some of those you mentioned, Lauren. Um, and they've looked into alternate packaging materials, uh, like plant-based packaging. Sure, yeah. Um, also, in response to all of this, in 1989, a trade association popped up in the U.S. called the Aseptic Packaging Council. And they have spearheaded uh, industry and marketing incentives to um, to add nutritional supplements to juice boxes, to make them healthier, and to promote recycling, and to tell everyone far and wide about it. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, 
And just a note here, when Rousing died in the 1980s, he and his family were incredibly wealthy. His son was the second wealthiest man in Sweden when he died in 2019. What? Yeah, and there is some drama here because, as I said earlier, many suggest that despite Rousing's name on the patent, it really wasn't him that did a lot of the work. Oh. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, um, a totally separate note. Uh, even with all of the research and development into cleanliness that's in place, uh, mishaps can happen. For one example, from uh, 2008 to 2010, there was a safety investigation in Canada that led to the destruction of 100,000 dull juice boxes due to improper handling during distribution that had weakened the seams and allowed microbial growth. Just a good reminder that, that our food industry requires all points to be operating with care in order to keep consumers safe. Um, also, Um, As with anything, if you ever notice bloating or leaking in a packaged good, throw that away. You don't need that one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Not that one. Yeah. Um, Kind of a related note. I did find some recent articles about adult juice boxes Mm -hmm. um, and why they haven't seemed to take off. There has been a lot of tries to get them to take off. The consensus seems to be it's because we associate them with kids (laughs) and or there are actual laws banning them because kids might drink them thinking that they are for them. Uh Uh-huh. Sure. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. How interesting. Okay. Um, Mm -hmm. And yes, uh, research and development is ongoing. As of this year, Tetra Pak is investing in this advanced imaging technique um, to help look at the nanostructure of fiber materials, such as paper, with the idea of optimizing paper straws for use with their products. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty cool. There really is a lot of research going into these. There, it, there is so much. There is just an infinite amount that, right, like I, I did not, I could not go into all of it. <laughs> um, yeah, but I do find all of this, especially that that psychological angle is super interesting to me because I think the first time that I saw like sake packaged in a little juice box, I got mm-hmm. so excited. I was like, it's a juice box, but for me. <laughs> me too. <laughs> yeah. And and I don't know. So like, right, like it's a weird nostalgia play, but I could see why um, some people and some councils would be not into that being a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I should also say like most of the... Um, Examples I saw were alcoholic, but some of them weren't. I think they were just trying to be like, adults, you like juice too. Here's a Yeah, juice here's a, a juice box. Right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Which is also interesting because you could still drink a juice box, quote, for kids. It's just. Oh, sure. Right. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like you said, interesting look at the human psyche. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. I mean, I have friends who will like drink a juice box as a treat. I have friends who will like lose their minds. If a certain type of juice box shows up at an event. Oh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I like can't take the sugar. Like that's one Mm -hmm. thing. Like I know that I'm going to become everybody's problem if I (laughs) just have like a shot of sugar like that. Right. Right. Well, listeners, if you've got a favorite, if you've got nostalgic feelings. Yeah. (laughs) For juice boxes. (laughs) Please let us know. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Yes. Um, Also, belatedly, drink responsibly. Um, But, uh, right, we do have some listener mail already prepared for you. Um, And we are going to get into that as soon as we get back from one more quick break for a word from our sponsors. 
episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with... I feel like all juice box commercials were like that. <laughs> ah, kids! <laughs> uh, it was the era of like extreme. <laughs> right? I don't know if they're doing that anymore, but that's I very, don't think they are. Very nineties, yeah. Lots it of is. like day glow colors and yeah. skateboards. skateboards. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Maybe some surfboarding. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, anyway, okay. Anyway. <laughs> Jared wrote, as I've been working my way through a backlog of episodes to try to catch up to current, I recently listened to the Knishes episode. I had a spark of inspiration and wanted to share my results. I used Pillsbury crescent roll dough, some caramelized onions, and instant mashed potatoes. They turned out tasty, but I don't know how close to authentic they taste, as I've never actually had Knishes. But the episode and my attempt at them has made me want to try the real deal. Ooh. Yeah, I feel I feel like the I feel like the dough texture would be a little off. Uh, like like you want something a little bit chewier for like mm. a for for like a knish uh, dough concept. But that being said, like any time, and I think I said this in the episode, but any time that you put potatoes in dough mm-hmm. and then I eat it, I'm happy about that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I that mean, sounds great. That sounds delicious. <laughs> and I I think I've said before too. Like I love. Just give me that crescent roll and I put stuff in there. Oh, sure. Yeah. Me too. Miraculous. So mm-hmm. wonderful. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> now I'm like, but what if I did that every day? That would be so good. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> Nathan wrote. Uh, First, thanks for reading my email about Robert Irvine's subtle, probably not intentional racism. And I hope that I'm getting his name right. I remember us going through a whole thing before and I'm tired today. I don't I I can't. But but (laughs) sure, that guy um, uh, continues. As I said before, the cooking world is making a turn towards inclusivity, but it still happens and needs to be called out. 
Competition shows can be grating by the machismo of French-trained dudes that think they're better than everyone just because they had the money to go to the CIA or something. One that bucks this trend is Guy Fieri's Tournament of Champions. Uh, This show pits the chefs, who are typically the judges of other shows against each other, in a March Madness-esque bracket challenge. In the four seasons, all the champions have been women, two of them women of color. In these shows, and my career as a chef, I've seen that the women are really just better all around. I think it's the drive to break the glass ceiling and the need to be so much better than male counterparts for them to get noticed. This shouldn't be groundbreaking, especially to you two. Uh, But another part I've noticed is when the people of color cook, they win a lot too. Looking specifically at Meet Shohan, uh, she's an Indian chef who got French-style training. This combination of flavors and the technique really do seem to be a winning combination for the Western-dominated competitions that we see here. Next, uh, you were wanting a recipe for grilled watermelon feta salad. Here's a good one. Make sure your grill is super hot. You don't want your watermelon to get squishy by sitting on there too long. It's kind of like a rare steak. (laughs) Just get that Maillard reaction on there and you're good. Then make some quinoa and cool it down. Toss the two together with some mint or basil, both are good, as well as the feta or goat cheese if you want. Squeeze a bit of lemon in there, always need the acid. Drizzle it with some balsamic glaze and you're good. I think next time I'm going to throw some Fresno chilies in it. I've been on a Fresno chili kick lately. Next, the episode I'm currently listening to, Polenta, so good. My base polenta is a four to one ratio of chicken stock to polenta. I use the Golden Pheasant brand. Stir while it cooks, but not as much as a risotto. You can adjust your consistency if you want from there. Finish it with some butter and cheese. Parmesan is my go-to, but I found a smoked goat gouda in my local store recently that's fantastic in it. Don't forget the salt and pepper. Frying it is so good. I do fontina in it when I fry it. Then I layer it with um, arrabbiata sauce and fresh mozzarella and get a nice stack of deliciousness. I also like to top it with a pork shoulder ragu with a balsamic glaze. Last but not least, I think I figured out how to finally do the dreaded GMO episode. A collaboration! And what better show to pair with than Behind the Bastards? You both have connections to the show. Uh, Annie, your other co-host, has already been a guest. Lauren, you're part of the union thing with fellow Cool Zone host Mia. And yes, I saw that Twitter conversation about Tres Leches. Robert has already done a collaboration when he teamed up with Prop of Hood Politics to do how Iran-Contra tied into the crack epidemic. I think it's time for this epic team-up. It would also work well with the sugar industry and corn syrup, probably. It would. Oofta. I mean, Makes not you nervous. <laughs> not no, but little. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, okay. All of that food sounds so delicious. Yes, yes. Um, I just made polenta. Oh, uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, how did I it go? Did. Oh, it was so good. It was so good. And I I realized, like, how to make it. I, I figured out how, how I could fry it now. Um, okay. At first, I couldn't envision it. And now I'm like, okay, no, I see. Um, but I made it with chicken stock and um, Parmesan, salt and pepper, a bunch of, like, spices. Ooh. And then I had, like, a mushroom tomato sauce. Ooh. Oh, it was so good. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I was very impressed. <laughs> oh, awesome. Oh, I'm so glad. Yay. <laughs> yes. Yes. But the, these are good tips. So I'm... I'm I have a whole bag of it now, so. 
I mean, right? Experimentation. Yeah. 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 Um, Also, that um, that Guy Fieri uh, tournament show sounds delightful. Yes. Um, I, I, I'm in the, I, we actually, we, we didn't like meet him, but we got to see him up close in action when we were in New Orleans with super producer Dylan a long, long, long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was so kind and genuine and he was like really making an effort to talk to all of the cooks who came up to him, like the young up and coming cooks or just, or just hopeful home cooks and like really like shake all of their hands and like make time for them. And it like, it made me so happy. Like I, <laughs> I know that being sincere about a guy who's that sincere is like kind of like quote unquote cringe, but um, <laughs> I think I think it's adorable. I'm like heck yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do, do what nice. makes you happy. Yeah, <laughs> it was nice. Um, yeah, and these are great insights because I think when we talked about that, I said I didn't know much about kind of this world of uh, food, television, and uh, mm-hmm. competition and stuff like that. So. Always appreciate from people who do know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have. And Hoofda, yeah, again, right, like that. <laughs> um, yeah, the GMO, the GMO episode. Ooh, yeah, it's going to be great. Maybe maybe a collaboration is in order. Maybe, maybe. Um, I mean, we're going to need the help. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. And thank you for the, the watermelon recipe. Oh, that sounds right. great. Yeah. Summer is on the way, so Ooh. it's time. Time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, uh, thanks to both of those listeners for writing in. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We are also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at saverpod. And we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening. And we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. 
Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.